to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. And today on the Unicorns, I'm talking with Rob Jordan, who's the CEO of Rare Foods Australia, a company listed on the ASX with the ticker code RFA. Rare Foods Australia lives up to its name by operating a highly innovative abalone fishery, and it's recently posted record abalone sales and revenue in its latest quarterly report. It's also a very sustainable business, this year earning the highly coveted and internationally recognised Marine Stewardship Council MSC certification. It also has won the WA Exports Award for Sustainability and is now a finalist for the National Award later this month in November. It gives me great pleasure to say Rob joins me as my guest today. G'day, Rob. Welcome to the program. Thanks, uh, Justin, and thanks for that uh, marvellous introduction. I thought it was a great summary. (laughs) Well, you spent a lot of your uh, early career your professional career in mining. What inspired you to make the move from rocks to rare foods? The majority of my time um, with the mining industry was uh, in uh, business improvement. And I think uh, for a long time there, for probably 30 odd years, I learned how to uh, really take on a challenge and through people make an effect. I'd been looking for some time to join an owner's team and I was pretty agnostic as to what that owner's team was. When the uh, uh, RFA challenge presented itself, it was in the middle of COVID. And it was actually quite um, inspiring for me in the sense that uh, I started off in primary production some 35 years ago. And seeing the innovation that uh, underpinned the business, literally replicating a wild product in an environmentally uh, a sound way that was uh, scalable, really was uh, a passion of mine and um, yeah, yeah that it, it uh, I've got to say it wasn't sought after it, it did present itself <laughs> as I was looking to become part of an owner's team and it was just especially during COVID well yeah I'd had a look at the business uh, um, back in 2018 as a service provider and uh, got asked uh, um, my advice by the the board at that time Things had moved on and uh, I'd uh, left services. Uh, literally, my first day out of services was the first day of lockdown. Yeah, looking around and this business had a shock with COVID. Its revenue literally stopped almost overnight. Um, Did it? And there's mm. nothing that makes a business more naked than when the tap, uh, the revenue taps switched off. So, um, you know, looking at how to uh, reconfigure it and do things differently became a... Uh, uh, an, an almost immediate challenge. And uh, as I uh, unpacked it, I, uh, um, in discussions with the board, um, yeah, they, uh, it, it was mutually agreeable that I put my hand up to lead it. Well, I know the company has a diversification and growth strategy, but before we get to your current and future plans, maybe tell us a little bit about the origins of Rare Foods Australia. Yeah, look, it's um, it, it's there with the it, it's up there with the the, the ten thousand attempts to create the light bulb. The innovator <laughs> and uh, um, risk taker, Brad Adams and Ian Rashadi, you, you know, they went through some dark days, and 
and nobody remembers those except them. But it was all about how to um, replenish wild abalone, how to replenish wild stocks that had been diminishing. And this uh, wild abalone, the green lip, is the, you know, if I used a wine analogy, it's the grange of the range. There's about 180,000 tonnes of abalone produced, less than Mm -hmm. 1% of it's uh, green lip. Um, green lip is the one that uh, everybody's after. Is that what you find in the um, the fancy tanks at the Chinese restaurants? Depending which restaurant. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> y- 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 yes. Um, yes. Uh, I- I- in the Western world, um, that would yes, be true. okay, um, okay. You, you know, she, but she is she is a very sought after product, and um, to put that into context, uh, this year quotas have been coming down year on year. This year, the quota for wild green lip. In other words, what uh, the fishermen are allowed to take out is uh, 320 tonnes. We're going to be circa 90, so 25% of wild uh, greens uh, are now um, come from us. The difference between us and those with the quotas is that um, we're growing. Um, If a customer gets in our forward order book, uh, they can be assured of supply. Um, Mm. We can pretty much predict uh, um, size distribution and... um, you, you know, the, uh, the the assurance of uh, supply um, also helps with, uh, you know, the overall pricing of, of, of the product. So, yeah, I, I think um, I, I recognise the uh, innovator and the risk taker who started this because, uh, as I said, uh, um, they, they spent uh, a good 20 years uh, doing this and uh, um, it's like everybody who now looks at it, it seems easy. But, it, mm. uh, you, you know, for them it was a journey. But what they have done is replicate uh, um, a wild product and replicate it in a way that uh, it, it is uh, environmentally sound. It, it, it grows like it does in the natural, in its natural habitat. And, and it's scalable. What they've, what they've developed is absolutely scalable. You call your 413 hectare lease on the ocean floor a wild enhanced abalone ranch what does that mean and how is it different to say an oyster farm yeah look i um the 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 best uh, analogy i I can 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 use is um you you know farming deer and deer in the wild you 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 know we literally have replicated uh, the wild environment um and and, uh, the only difference is we put uh, uh, the juvenile down there so same wild strain we uh, uh, grow it on land and, and then 18 months or, or at a, uh, a 40 millimetre or just above size range, um, we go and deploy those back down on the artificial reef. That's kind of like the only um, part that uh, we're playing in the, you know, we're circumventing from a, a wild uh, a production technique. Um, and, uh, you, you know, if we kept those in a farmed environment, they'd be, uh, uh, they'd be very close and they'd be on land and you could see them. So the best analogy for, for, for me is, uh, you, you know, we're, we're replicating its wild environment. It grows in its wild environment. It's not artificially fed. It's fed by all the natural elements um, which uh, come through in the ocean currents. Um, where, uh, you, you know, a farm it, it is a farm. It, it's created this, uh, um, it, it's artificially fed and um, it, it's far more dense in, in its uh, um in its numbers. So for those of our listeners who are not familiar with the taste of abalone, what do your green lip abalone 
taste like? And is there, say, a, a taste difference to those that are produced elsewhere or are from the wild, from conception, for want of a better word? What do they taste like? Taste is always difficult because it's a preference, um, but I'll mm. give you mine. I just love this product. I've always loved seafood. It would be a problem if you didn't, if you were running, <laughs> if you were running an- Well, to, to be honest with you, Justin, I, I hadn't tasted the product before I joined the business. Um, really? Okay. And, and Interesting. No, no I, I, I hadn't. Um, it is a delicacy, um, but now I have, I, I want more of it. And it does, it does actually make you feel good as well. Um, mm. The three different types that I've received is the crumbed. That's probably my least favorite. It's my wife's favorite. Um, yes. And the uh, sashimi grade, which is uh, uh, with the, the soy sauce and uh, the wasabi, that's great. Mm. My favourite is the the sautéed with uh, chilli and garlic, and it, it tastes to me, well, it tastes to me like uh, pork belly. It is just delicious, but it doesn't leave you with that same fatty feeling. It, yes. it, it just it, it, it leaves you feeling quite invigorated, uh, and as, they, uh, uh, as the, the marketeers tell me, the Chinese pre- predominantly love this product because uh, it makes them feel healthy. I, I just, uh, I, I just love it. I, I, I never tire of, uh, I never tire of uh, the taste, especially the sautéed taste. What does it normally sell for retail? Like, if you use the the retail example, say let's let's say a Chinese restaurant. If you were to buy abalone, what um, what does it sell for? Any like even a ballpark, just to give us an idea of the the money involved. You know, our uh, um, mid range uh, um, uh, sizes. Um, you know, and I'll quote a whole in shell number for you, um, which uh, um, is uh, is a pretty healthy size, about a kilo of whole in shell, which would probably be uh, two of our larger ones, mm. or, or three. Three yes. um, would would go for around about a hundred dollars. Okay. That would that would be the retail price. And so, tell us about your operations. You're in Augusta, WA. If you're looking at a map on the southwest tip of Australia, for those who haven't been to Augusta, paint us a picture, Rob, of um, of what you've got down there. Well, for those who haven't been to Southwest Western Australia, it's probably the most underdeveloped part of uh, the uh, Western world. Um, uh, that uh, uh, produces uh, some of the best food uh, foodstuffs. Um, when I say underdeveloped, um, I, I mean from a population point of view, um, you can still walk on these pristine beaches and see no one. Um, mm. Where Augusta is, uh, it, it kind of is out on a on a very easterly tip. No, oh, sorry, westerly tip, and, yes. and uh, it, it is literally where the two oceans, the southern and the Indian um, meat. You can stand there for hours and the scenery will change in front of you. You can ha- literally have four seasons in a day. We actually, our, uh, our flagship uh, product, uh, our, our green lip is called Two Oceans for that very reason. Yeah, I, I, I think for those who haven't been to Southwest Western Australia, um, it, it, is, uh, it, it is to die for, quite frankly. Um, and those that uh, live and work in the region, Know, quite frankly, don't want to leave. Uh, and, um, you know, it does have a number of 
innovative uh, rare product supply chains. It's also the home of uh, the Margaret River wine region. I was just about to say that's Margaret River country, isn't it? Yeah, um, well, that's uh, that's twenty k's north of us, and um, mm. you know, along 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 with that is uh, uh, some very uh, fine food and fine fine food venues. How long, on average, does it take your product, the Green Lip Abalone, to reach full maturity and be ready for harvesting? That is down to a value equation for us. Um, how long we leave it down there, it, it will continue mm. to grow. Um, but uh, right, we, okay. we, we, we think it's uh, best value for growth for us is uh, um, an 18-month-old juvenile and then uh, between two and a half to three years uh, underwater. That seems to be the, the best profile um, that we have found thus far. Um, but that profile is uh, subject to, to change with... Uh, with density, so um, we're, we're looking at those equations now. But the best profiles are around about three years underwater and eighteen months on land. So, and so, just just to be clear, the product begins its life on land for about eighteen months, and then it's transported to your your farm, your range, your ranch um, at Augusta, and put put to bed for two years or so in the water. Is that right? Correct. Um, the hardest thing to replicate in the wild, um, when they're spawning, when they're breeding, um, yep. the spat that they produce, They, uh, the scientists tell me, and this is about 100 years of work, but they, they tell me that one in a million will survive. Um, you, you know, we're significantly improving that success rate in mm. the uh, the artificial environment and then we take that spat and uh, grow it out on sheets um, and when they're uh, around about five ten mils um, we take those take them off the sheets and put them into tanks and when they're about 40 mils we believe that's uh, uh, when they can handle the transition from the uh, land to the wild and um, we uh, put them in um, fish baskets in particular numbers um, and we put those fish baskets in fish bins, and mm. um, we are very um, uh, diligent about water water quality and temperature. Um, we uh, seal those bins. Um, we have a fantastic relationship uh, with our strategic partner, Triple Eight, who who does that work for us, and our, uh, our new partner, um, Transport Company, who then we we work to a twenty bin constraint because that's the constraint on, on the truck. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, we try to keep that cycle time as, uh, as short as possible. They arrive the next day. They leave uh, in the evening of one night, arrive the next morning in Augusta, some 450 kilometres away. Um, the uh, process then is to, uh, um, uh, again, test uh, quality and, and, and size and uh, calibrate that with our, our strategic partners and um, then deploy them. Um, we're putting out uh, around about 100,000, 120,000 a time. Um, there is quite a uh, deployment routine with our di divers um, where they take those baskets down, attach them uh, to the uh, artificial reef. And then yes. two days later, uh, they open the top uh, um, of the basket. Uh, two days later, they're coming out in the bottom of the basket. We're aiming to have a 95 to 100% survival rate um, uh, we're not getting that at the moment. Um, we've got uh, this year we spent time putting those time-lapse cameras down there so we could see what's yes. happening. Um, it's fascinating. What is to watch. happening? 
Well, basically, um, we have a mass migration, and then um, if the 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 abalone's protection from its predator is its ability to uh, snap shut. Uh, it, it has some four thousand yes. pound per square inch suction capacity. That's its that's its protection. But if it walks over the back of the basket where there's holes in the basket, it can't clamp down on that. So it's just right. uh, literally fish food. Um, and uh, yeah, look, uh, um, we're kind of taking that evidence now and working through the research that really is what block preparation do we need to do? In other words. What cleanliness pathway do we need and, and what protection around that mechanism can we provide them um, to ensure that they uh, um, yeah, literally uh, relocate themselves successfully? Um, so that, that's been our entire focus uh, this year. And I, I don't know if you remember that film, uh, Apollo 13, Justin? Mm, I do, very well. For a lot of your listeners, I'm sure they're aware that NASA really came up with that idea of brainstorming. For us now... Um, there, there was that very um, memorable scene where they had to remove the carbon monoxide out of uh, the aircraft or the pilots would die. Yes, And yes. they locked the geniuses in the room with only And they the said, this is what you got to cockpit. deal with. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing exactly the same. I'm locking the geniuses in the room with uh, uh, the concrete block, which is the habitat, the, uh, the, the cage or, or the plastic cage, which is the uh, deployment mechanism, and I'm um, telling them, you guys have to work with that and tell me how to ensure 95% of them survive. Don't go and ask me to go and spend any more money. That's what you've got to deal with. Um, and it's analogous, right? Um, because, yes. um, you know, with all good intentions, people sometimes uh, start talking about, oh, we can, you can go and design this, you can go and do this, you can go and do that. Yeah, but at the end of the day, boys, we're an ASX-listed company. Um, our shareholders have funded this thus far. We don't have that sort of uh, um, money, and, and neither do we deserve the right until we fix this problem. Um, mm. So those are the things you've got. Go figure it out. And, you know, we've got some very smart people, and I bet you my bottom dollar they'll figure it out. Just keep giving them p- pizzas and Diet Coke. They'll get there. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, the science, science, suggests, <laughs> science suggests those two things aren't great for the brain, but anyway, we won't, we, we won't go there. <laughs> well, sp- speaking of the ASX, so... You've just achieved record sales and revenue um, from your quarterly last month. So what are your markets, Rob, and who are your customers? We've got uh, a couple of large customers in Australia and Hong Kong, um, and we're building off those. We're building what we call master distributors. Now, master distributors Mm -hmm. to us are, are, are clients who are taking tonnage to support a region, and they put forward orders in for up to, to 12 months. The reason we're working a master distributor strategy is just and we get hit uh, day in, day out with wholesalers asking, what's your minimum order quantity? You know, oh, you yeah, can I have six abalone, please? Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of like um, you, we want to be respectful, but if, if, I had to, if I'm doing 90 tonnes and I'm moving them at 100 kilos a time, you could do the maths. That's a mm. lot of picking and packing and stacking and sending. Um, you, you know, we'd have to create another division. So our whole focus is on half a dozen master distributors around the world. We can send it up their bulk. It'll be the cheapest uh, um, uh, product in the marketplace, purely and simply with logistics. And, and uh, respectfully with those wholesale I- inquiries, we channel them back through to the master distributors. Um, we're using our branding, our uh, um, material, but we channel them all back through the master distributors. That encourages uh, their uh, 
um, demand and, um, you, you know, they're after us for more supply because of it. Uh, so that's the model we're developing. We've got uh, one in Australia, one in Hong Kong, one in the UK. Um, we're in uh, um, uh, discussions with the US, Singapore, um, Vietnam, Thailand and Japan. Um, I think Vietnam will come off quite quickly. Um, the others are, are a work in progress, but uh, like any strategy that uh, requires discipline, um, these, these need to be well thought out and considered and uh, the pricing structure needs to be well thought out and considered and respectful. So it, it's taken a lot of work, but our new sales and um, marketing general manager who came selling uh, rare foods from the premium southwest uh, it's largely his model and he's put it into place and uh, activated it quite quickly. He's been with us uh, uh, coming on uh, five months and uh, yet yeah, a great exponent of his uh, of his uh, uh, work was seen in those results. So does it mean, Rob, that if I'm eating, consuming green-lipped abalone anywhere in Australia, chances are it's come from rare foods? If it's wild... Chances are it, uh, it it came from us, yes. Mm-hmm. If is it's it... farmed, chances are it, it didn't. Right. Okay. And is it just green-lipped abalone that you're doing or are you doing any other type of abalone as well? No, we uh, the, the simplest uh, um, additions to revenue for us was um, um, utilising our strengths. So we've got three strengths. We've got our ocean leases. We've got the only two ocean leases in the state that you can put aquaculture product on the ocean floor. We've got mm-hmm. a pristine processing facility, state-of-the-art, and we've got uh, a developing sales and marketing function. Funnily enough, in collaboration, the wild quota holders um, in, in Western Australia um, came to us with their ROI product. It's kind of like the, the next level down from, uh, from the green lip. Um, okay. It's real trouble in the marketplace is it gets compared when you get close to China, you know, the Koreas and the Chinas that uh, consume the majority of uh, the abalone, when it gets close to those, it gets compared to others. Um, we have uh, in our um, sales and marketing approach under the heading of rare foods and the story that supports it, sold a uh, better quality, best uh, uh, type model. Uh, so the, the wild origin greens uh, um the next ones are the row eyes, and then there's the farmed. And that's how we're taking our, our products to market. We've developed uh, um, and are starting to develop the, the row eye market for uh, the uh, the wild fisher, fisher fishermen of uh, Western Australia. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we're not too far away from uh, opening up uh, um, those orders. We've been on them now for about, uh, six to eight months and uh, I'd uh, suggest to you and the, uh, the viewers that our, our ROI sales will begin this quarter. Nice. Now, I think it's fair to say you've got, well, Rare Foods has a very clear marketing strategy, which is great news. Um, it's some, I think it's fair to say it's sometimes lacking among regional gourmet food producers. I think that's fair criticism. So what, what do you think sets your company apart from some other premium products? Look, I, um, I spent uh, my life largely in the sales of uh, financial services and professional services. A- and um, I think uh, what differentiates us is we're telling a story uh, about uh, rare products from the premium southwest region first and foremost. Um, a- and uh, I think the uh, uh, 
uh, greatest opportunity we have is taking this premium Southwest region to the world um, and truly valuing what we have. What our customers want when we're talking to them is um, assurance of supply. Um, and, uh, you know, to you take those two parts of an, uh, uh, um, you, you know, you break down the story into those two components. Um, literally, we look at it as long as it's uh, rare, uh, it comes from the premium southwest um, and uh, it, it aligns with uh, that DNA, which is sustainable, environmentally friendly and scalable. We're, we're looking at it. Um, and uh, that's the story. First and foremost, we're taking to the marketplace. And um, as I, I uh, indicated before, um, being very systematic about how we do that and ensuring that, uh, you, you know, if the minute I give a wholesale inquiry the same price as I give a master distributor, I've just uh, annihilated that model. Um, mm. So being very disciplined about how we go about this. Um, uh, so there's the storytelling and the, the sales discipline. Um, and, uh, you, you know, once uh, they're in the forward order book, you respect them. And uh, those three things are coming together slowly. I think where um, a lot of uh, um, uh, individual suppliers of one product get caught out is is, is their price takers. They're, 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 they're trying to find who will buy uh, their, their product and beyond their product, they don't have much of a, a story to tell. And uh, when you're in that price taking um, machine, um, you, you know, you struggle to get full value. Um, we saw this as a real opportunity for uh, our rare foods to turn around that story. It's it's not uh, you don't click your fingers and, and get there. It's it's been a journey um, to change the original name of the company so we could uh, diversify and grow. And I think the other aspect of agri products or any food product is you don't want to just be in one at some time due to um, very little errors from the producers. You know it'll have a bad hair day and uh, you want to have more than one source of revenue. Now, I've heard that you are also branching out and it's into something called ocean cellared wine. Now, what on earth is that all about? Is that just a gimmick or does does the wine actually taste pretty good? I haven't tasted it myself. I'm told it's okay. uh, spot, on, <laughs> um, spot, on, spot on quality. I like, the, I like the sound of it. Yeah, well, the first harvest is uh, um, just coming out now. Our innovator, he, he, he uh, Brad Adams, is our executive director of corporate development. And um, I'll use a f- another film analogy for you, Justin. Do you remember the film The, uh, the Castle? A very famous oh, Australian film. One yeah. of my favourite. It's yeah, the Brad's vibe, our, it's Marbo, it's the law. <laughs> yeah, well, Brad, Brad's our ideas, man. And, You're an um, ideas man, yes. Yeah, and uh, curtailing them sometimes is uh, is somewhat a challenge. But, um, yes. look, um, yeah, this uh, uh, this this was an idea. It's It's been done before. It started uh, in France and um, we uh, collaborated with relationships that we had and put down, um, you know, high quality wines to see what would happen. Is it white or red or both? Does it does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. Uh, but okay. it will with where we're headed. Okay. Um, what uh, man tries to do on land is roll the bottles at a constant temperature. You know, that's the maturation mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. The 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 ocean does that for us. Um, the natural swells. Um, and we have uh, um, one of the reasons we can grow the product that we grow and why it's only found in the, the southern um, regions of Australia, the Greenleaf Abalone, is because of the constant water temperature. I think rough as guts, it changes two 
um, maximum three degrees um, each year, which is, um, you, you know, sensational for that sort of maturation process. That's what the winemakers are looking for. So, as I said, we, we, we've done a very successful trial and, and, and you'll say to me, why is it successful, Rob? Well, three reasons. Um, it, it's quality, um, it's all sold, and it uh, got a very attractive price. Um, mm. So now we're looking at um, two methods. Um, one's what we call biofouling, which is literally putting um, high-end wines from the Margaret River region on the lease. Remember, we've got the two o- we've got the only two ocean leases in the state that can put aquaculture product on the ocean floor. Okay, and fisher- yep. fisheries have always also licensed us, so nobody can go, nobody else can go and do this in, in the short term. It's akin to dumping at sea. And last I looked, that came with a few fines. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yes, we've true. we've got these two methods that we're, we're um, embarked upon. One's the biofouling method, and um, we're being very selective of the wineries and the wines that we're putting down there. So you, you know, we're not having a competitive cuvées or competitive Shirazes. It's one one um, one type with uh, one partner, um, and uh, slowly our partners are, are building up. Um, but the uh, uh, the mass production version um, is uh, we're trialling with a, a French group, um, and uh, uh, this these are uh, the origins of it in France. There's a group called Wine Reef, um, mm. and they literally tether ten thousand litre vats of uh, uh, grapes and yeast uh, to the ocean floor and let them swing around in the uh, in the ocean <laughs> swells at that constant temperature, and, and uh, it produces quite a vintage. So. We're uh, in final discussions to consider a trial of that. Um, that will change the game for us because we'd have the high-end biofouling bottles. They'd uh, get quite an attractive price, but then we can also do more of a uh, um, a, uh, a, a higher production level in a short, shorter time period with the wine uh, mm. reef production method. So, yeah, it's... Um, so have you got bottles mm, down there at the moment? About 4,500, yeah. And when will you know if they're any good? Um, for the biofouling ones, we don't really um, have uh, much concern. We're pulling another 300 out before Christmas. Um, you know, we've done the taste test on. And what do they look like when you when you pull them out of the water? I imagine, do they go down with labels? They wouldn't, they don't have labels on, do they? No, no, no. They, come, no. they come up looking like ocean treasure. Um, right. And, and um, yeah, the uh, market <laughs> is... Yes. Well, the marketeers, yeah, the marketeers love it, and um, yeah, the uh, um, the production of uh, um, uh, um, it, it, its uh, final product is uh, yeah, it's quite compelling. They're they're the meetings you love to go to to see what they've come up with next. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, we it's all we in the out. taste. I hope it tastes yeah, good. But, yeah, the the product uh, I'm told tastes sensational, um, and uh, we're very. Um, we're very confident with uh, um, the biofouling technique. Um, we want to have a look at this uh, mass production technique to see if it's something we want to pursue because um, our uh, our uh, um, group in France, who we're having quite a, a, a collaboration with at the moment, uh, we have uh, everything they're looking for. We have uh, um, divers, an ocean lease, um, infrastructure, um, plus, we're right next to that uh, Margaret River region, so we're right next to where the grapes are grown. Um, you, you know, so for them, it, it's uh, almost like a uh, 
uh, a match made in heaven. Fantastic. Well, final final question, Rob. So you've got abalone, you've now got wine. What what else is out there? Have you looked at any other products? Uh, no pressure here, but just um, is there anything on the in the pipeline to say, well, we could, you know, that could be something for us. We'll have a look at that maybe on the land. Um, yes. Uh, look, I, I'll answer that question a different way without, uh, um, you, you know, uh, giving anything uh, uh, away except yes, we're looking okay. at we're, we're, we're looking at everything in, in the premium southwest. Um, the the lens that we look through does it take advantage of our ocean lease, our uh, processing facility. Can we integrate it into sales and marketing? They're the first questions. The second question mm. is, is it rare? Um, is it uh, um, from the premium southwest? Um, and, uh, you, you know, we're, we're very concerned with key man risks. Um, so if it's a one-person product supply chain, it, it concerns us. So we're, we're looking mm. at, at something, again, that uh, um, uh, aligns with our DNA. It's It's got to be um, that. Uh, environmentally safe, sustainable and scalable uh, um, opportunity. The other thing I'll, I'll bridge on that is, look, we're an ASX-listed company. I often get, you know, why you're so small, um, you should be private. Well, okay, I get that, right up until I didn't want to grow. Um, but I mm. want to grow. And we've become yeah. very effective at, at our, um, our uh, compliance and very efficient. We've got a... Uh, um, we, we've got uh, um, uh, fantastic capability on, on our board and we've got access to the capital markets and, and uh, we've got a corporate development function. So rough as guts, that's half a million dollars that we're spending and we're looking at all of this. Believe me, we're looking at all. The trouble with it all is um, none of them are ASX-listed companies, Justin, and they don't come furnished with a data room. So we yeah. literally, when we're in yes. conversation, we are literally building these business plans from first principles to see first and foremost whether it, uh, um, you, you know, it's value accretive, and uh, secondly, looking for uh, how to actually integrate it. So um, I can just tell you and your listeners that we're looking at it all. We do have our, um, we do have our uh, prizes. Um, we do have the ones that we prioritise. But literally, you know, if it's rare and premium from the southwest, we're looking at it. Um, but I love we've it. Just gotta be, we've just got to be careful of um, where we spend our time because, um, you know, a shotgun's not going to get us anywhere. Well, good luck in the future, Rob. That's uh, that's a great summary. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure hearing about Rare Foods Australia, and we wish you all the very best in the years ahead. Good luck and uh, well done on your progress thus far. Thank you. Been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much.